From the studios of One Jacks Productions, this is The Revealing, a ministry of One Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Florida, with your hosts, Senior Pastor Frank Silvaggio, Associate Pastor Robert Engel, and Praise Leader Chris Wing. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us once again at The Revealing. I am here with my uh, good friends and brothers in Christ, Pastor Frank Savaggio and Brother Chris Ring. Gentlemen, it is a pleasure to have you here once again. How are you today? Doing well, doing well. How are yeah, you, brother? Yeah, doing good. Thank yes, you. yes. Better than I deserve, for sure. Amen. Uh, we are uh, nearing the end of summer uh, in these, these days here and uh, kind of plugging along in this series that we uh, started, I guess, a couple episodes ago, maybe, uh, talking about covenants, uh, covenants in the Bible some of the components of what those are, uh, what that means, uh, as far what that teaches us as far as uh, who God is and, and um, as his relationship with man and his plan through the Bible and, and through time and in history. And uh, if you've caught those episodes, um, that's awesome. You're with us, and uh, hopefully you've enjoyed those, learned a thing or two. Uh, I know that we can kind of uh, get into some, some, some deep things around here. We, we try to try to have a little something for everyone, uh, for those who are wanting to, to go a little deeper and maybe for the more seasoned or, or experienced uh, Bible student or teacher, uh, we want to equip you with, with the, the, the tools and resources uh, from the Word of God to help you in your ministry and to grow in, in uh, the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then for those who are maybe, you know, a new Christian or, or just learning some things or kind of just checking this out and, you know, wherever you find yourself there, uh, want to maybe just hopefully have you grab a thing or two and kind of just grow from that. And, and uh, man, that's how the Word of God is, how He teaches us. Um, he says in Isaiah that we learn uh, line upon line and precept upon precept, uh, here a little, there a little. And uh, as that happens, and it's been my experience anyway, I'm if you're able to grab something, you can't grab everything. You grab something, and then uh, you 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 put that in the bank. You put that in your mind, your heart, and then uh, the Lord brings that back. The Spirit of God brings that back to your remembrance. And uh, next time you hear something, or learn something, or read something in the Word of God, uh, man, you, you remember that, and the connection is is made, and 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 you're growing. So, hopefully, you're finding that's the case for you. Uh, but gentlemen, we are here uh, once again, and uh, I just thought I would ask, um, just maybe we could kick this off with a, a brief review uh, of the last uh, episode or two, uh, just as far as w- what has gotten us to this point. Uh, it's really a, a twofold question. Uh, the first one being uh, just bring us bringing us up to speed. What uh, what is a covenant? Uh, what are the covenants in the Bible? Uh, and then the follow up question would be, uh, why would this be important uh, for just the common common man, um, you know, uh, if you're a pastor or a teacher, um, you know, we get that one thing that's, you know, you can definitely learn from these things and you're maybe more inclined to, to, I don't know, can I say care about these things? Uh, though we all should, of course, they're, they're, they're Bible, but just for the common Joe Schmo or the, you know, just the, the, the random guy who's just going to church, loving the Lord, reading his Bible, um, things like that. Uh, why should we care? Why are these things important? So so a quick review and then uh, the importance of these things. Uh, what do you guys think? Well, so, yeah, you know, when we're talking about covenants, um, I think the uh, the thing that we want to make sure that we understand is that, uh, first of all, who, made, who God made the covenants with. 
mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, important. And, and then, of course, um, what constitutes a covenant? Um, yeah. You know, we talked about uh, how there are two different covenants uh, that we see in the Bible. There's the conditional covenant, um, and that is uh, usually tagged with an if. Uh, God uh, lays down certain things that he is uh, going to uh, to do and promises he will uh, uh, of blessings, if you will, uh, but it's based on an if uh, the, uh, the, the other party or parties uh-huh. uh, do what it is that uh, God's asked them to do. And then, of course, there's an, an, an unconditional covenant, and an unconditional covenant uh, basically means, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's an I will. Uh, it doesn't matter if you do what I've asked you to do. Mm. I'm still going to do it anyway. So, you know, if we were to try to put that in a practical, real-world situation, it would be like this, right? So if I went uh, to a, uh, a car dealership and, and, and I got a loan for a car, uh, that, that would be a uh, conditional uh, covenant, mm-hmm. right? Um, in other words, I can keep my car conditioned on me paying for it, mm-hmm. Okay. So now if I go to a car dealership and I buy a car and I have a cosigner that says, okay, if he doesn't pay it, I'm going to pay it. Mm-hmm. That would be an unconditional covenant. Mm. Because now if I, whether I pay it or I don't pay it, it doesn't matter. My cosigner is going to pay it. Mm-hmm. So regardless of what you do, right. I guess. So, so you know, kind of hmm. just trying to give you a, a practical uh, okay. way to look at that. Okay. Um, so on, on one, the onus is on the Lord. Right, I, I guess, and then regardless of what man does, and then the other, the conditional is it's an if then type yes. of a thing. Right, mm-hmm. right. Um, so yeah, so I think that's uh, and then of course as you look at these, and and we've kind of touched on it a little bit as well. Um, you know, within each of the covenants of the Bible, you also see um, it, it would certainly seem uh, these these things called dispensations. Uh, and in other words, you know, what what is a dispensation? Really, just to kind of keep it simple, I mean, we could really get into a deep understanding of it, but just to keep it simple, really a dispensation is uh, how God is dealing with man during that period of time. Okay. For instance, uh, again, uh, it doesn't take much much for us to go, okay, the way God dealt with Adam and Eve uh, was different than the way God dealt with the nation of Israel. Without a doubt. No doubt about it. Adam and Eve was in a state of, of uh, um, uh, uh, they didn't need forgiveness uh, when they were in the garden. Um, they were given a state, you know, they were given, they were in a state of innocence. Mm-hmm. Um, they, there was nothing uh, they needed salvation from. Yeah. Um, and then obviously something changed uh, after they did sin uh, and that started a, a new way that, if you will, or a progressive way, if you will, that God was dealing with man. So however you want to call that, whatever you want to tag that, so be it. We use the word dispensation because the Bible uses that word. Mm-hmm. Um, clearly in, in in Paul's writings, he talks about the dispensation of grace and the dispensation of times and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the reason why we use that word. But what it means and what it ultimately is saying is that progressively God is dealing with man differently during a different period of time. Uh, obviously, you know, you look at things like um, uh, the law. The law is a different way that God dealt with man. Right. Uh, he, you know, prior to the law, he dealt with man differently. That, that would be what we would call a different dispensation. Mm. Call that whatever you want. The reality is it's true. And we're not saying that God is changing because scripture is clear. Mm-hmm. He's he's immutable. He doesn't change. Right. 
So, so how how should the listener think of that? Um, how he's maybe um, I know we've said around here the vehicle that he's right. used has changed from the old mm-hmm. to the New Testament. You know, Israel to the church, but it's just maybe the means that is being, his grace is being dispensed. Well, what happens is right. What happens is is and what leads us to the next stage, if you will, is the failure of man. It's not the failure of God. Sure, it was the failure of man to not live up to the things that God put forth within that dispensation, mm-hmm. if you will, um, mm-hmm. the covenant. Uh, and, and, and it's because of the failure of man, God is progressively moving us down this path. In his grace. It, or of course. Yeah. Right. And so then the key thing is, is like you said, Robert, from dispensation to dispensation, however you want to word that, is that God doesn't change. Like his plan mm-hmm. is always fixed. It's always set from mm-hmm. the garden to the end of Revelation, where it's, it's, the, we're going back to what it came to. Time. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> from eternity past to eternity yeah. future. How about that? Mm-hmm. Um, so his plan never changes. It's it's how he goes about executing it with the different people groups in the different periods of time, which mm-hmm. is what we like to usually define this thing of a dispensation. And by the way, I, I'm pretty sure that only occurs in our, your King James Bible. Yeah. So you you want, want to make sure you have that. But yeah, his plan never changes. It's always the same throughout those periods of time. And there's always a stewardship. That's that's a, you you know you said it. That's the of man from covenant to covenant throughout those dispensations, not God. So there's always a stewardship that, that's present during that, uh, an expectation from, from God to man. And when they fail, it goes into the next one and the next one. And a lot of these pretty much all overlap, I, say, I would say, with except for maybe the first two. Um, so they don't just like a start and stop point. They they kind of overlap each other going into the next and the next one. And mm. You see that very clearly when Je- you know, Jesus is uh, alive here on the earth and then he dies and then his church, you know, resurrection and all that, and then the church starts. There's a transition there. That's what the entire book of Acts is all about, is that transitioning from Old Testament dispensation to the New Testament, the church age. And, and, and that's really important to know, mm. specifically when it comes to that particular dispensation. But yeah, the, the point is, the key is that his plan never changes. It's how he, like you said, he executes that, how he dispenses his grace throughout those different uh, times and the stewardship that's involved on our end in those periods of time. Okay. And, I, and I do think it's interesting how through each one, God is specific, specifically teaching us a very important truth. And you're right, they carry over. They all carry over. Um, each, each truth that God is teaching in that dispensation carries over to the other ones. Um, you know, ultimately, right? So, so the first one we talked about last week uh, was the uh, the Edenic uh, mm-hmm. covenant, the dispensation of innocence. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what are some of the things that 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 God is trying to teach us through that? Um, so, first and foremost, um, God is teaching us that as sons of God, we are to replenish the earth with sons of God. That we are to take. Uh, this this uh, spiritual seed and plant it into the hearts of men and create sons of God. Does, does that so that they can be innocent? Right? Has that ever changed? Mm-mm. No. That that carried over to the next dispensation all the way down through time. It's going to carry over. Um, so that's the interesting part about all of this is that although man fails in the particular covenant or dispensation. God's plan never failed, right. <laughs> and His objectives are still the same throughout mm-hmm. all of them. Um, and you know, I, I think that's an important thing to grab onto. Just you know, there's much for us to learn about Adam and Eve in that garden. Oh, absolutely. Even though we weren't there, mm-hmm. th- that was God was setting forth something in that garden that has not changed, right? Because He is immutable. 
it's still the plan now for us today, but just spiritually. I mean, exactly. and that's really what's cool about this whole thing is like, I think we've said this before, God's cyclical in his, his thinking, his timeline, where he was in the garden with the way things were supposed to be there, like you just said. You know, they were supposed to reproduce sons of God. We're supposed to give glory to God. That's the whole purpose. We're supposed to do the same thing spiritually. So uh, from eternity past to eternity future, it's a big uh, circle. It's cyclical. He doesn't think linear. We're going back to that. You know, his plan is, that's what we're saying. His plan never changes. We're, what it was supposed to be in the garden, and, and obviously the failure of man there, is exactly what we're going back to. You know, yeah. So it, well, and and here's the other thing. Now, now let's look at the other end of the spectrum. Okay, where we see uh, the the positives and the rollovers don't don't miss what led man to the problem, because God's teaching us through that too. Hmm. And so, what was what led to uh, Adam and Eve Adam and Eve's downfall? Well, it was because uh, Satan subtly changed what God said mm. and challenged what God said. So is that true today? Mm. Yes, it, it carries over. And so you're going to see that um, throughout each dispensation. Don't miss what the failure was because the failure, I don't know, it might be the most important lesson. Mm. Um, we don't want to commit the same failures um, that we can learn from. Mm. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And what you guys are talking about is Ecclesiastes 3.15, as far as where uh, God says that which, or yeah, that which hath been is now, and that which is to be hath already been. Mm -hmm. God requireth that which is past. Um, So it's all coming full circle. That new heaven, new earth in Revelation uh, 21 and 22, um, it's it's getting us back to, to where it was. Um, the so, way it was supposed to be. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Awesome. So, um, so for the real quick, just for the uh, common listener here, um, you know, for those who are not maybe in depth Bible students at this time, or who are not teachers and pastors, uh, maybe just a quick uh, reason why they should keep listening, um, or maybe we've already said it in in the whole you know lessons that can be learned from the failures of man through these. Um, dispensations, but uh, why is this something that, that our listeners should grab onto uh, if they're just learning uh, things about the Bible, just growing in their faith, just going to church, you know, kind of doing their thing, um, and they're not really like super deep into some of the things of the Word of God at this point? Well, I guess the key thing that jumps out to me when we're talking about this dispensations is that that's how God structures His Word. And so if somebody wants to really have a deep understanding of how of God and his word, you're, you're going to have to understand that that's how he structures it. That's how he words it. And in other words, if you want to get things in there, if you want to rightly divide the that's word what of I was God, thinking. There you go. that's what I was you've thinking. got to know how he does things because you're, you're going to take things out of context and place them in the wrong place and, 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 and address things to the wrong people group at the wrong period of time. And you're going to get things doctrinally askewed and you're going to come up with all kinds of false doctrines and heresies that are being perpetrated already in the church. Like, and of course that ultimately is going to affect what people teach and what you know about uh, salvation um, it's it's going to filter into all of that. So you've got to understand, uh, you know, how God structures His Word in this dispensational way, so that you can properly rightly divide it. Mm, okay, I, I think Second Timothy two fifteen probably yep. nails that right in the head, right? It. Where it says, "Study yeah. to show thyself approved unto God," which means you could be not approved, um, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, which means you, if you're not a workman, you can be ashamed. Mm. Rightly dividing the word of truth, which obviously means you can wrongly divide the word of truth. So I would say, yeah, that that's the reason why this is so important because mm. knowing 
knowing who God's writing to, knowing the mm-hmm. purpose for what God's writing to, knowing the historical, the uh, uh, the the uh, spiritual, applicational, and the doctrinal of every passage of the mm-hmm. Bible. Yeah. Being able to do that and being able to understand that, uh, you know, sets the stage for um, when you really start to get into actual biblical truth and what the Bible actually says about something, how to discern whether that is correct or incorrect. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, I think so many people have a uh, uh, today that, uh, uh, you know, maybe are casual readers of the Bible or even our students of the Bible. I think the unfortunate, sad reality is, is that they don't have a discerning spirit of how to rightly divide, and they don't understand what a passage is actually saying. And when you don't understand what a passage is actually saying, uh, what are you going to ultimately reflect to your own personal private mm-hmm. presupposition yeah. or private interpretation of what you think that passage is saying. Mm-hmm. And if you start propagating that as truth, uh, that's where the problem comes in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, right. and the sad reality is, uh, Christians today are not taught how to rightly divide mm-hmm. or even that we need to rightly divide. So, and, and because of that, no one's really doing it. And mm-hmm. because of that, not only are they not taught because they're not being taught how to do that, the other swing and the other part of that pendulum is, but they can't they can't see it themselves when they're when somebody else is doing it. Right. Somebody else is teaching something and they can't can't look at it and go, Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. No, that's wrong. Discerning. Yeah. You, you get a lot of you know, tell me what you guys think about this. Because of that, not understanding dispensational word of God, you know, all that and, and you can't rightly divide it. What people end up doing today is they, they do this thing called one-verse theology. Oh, absolutely. You know, you take something out of context very quickly when you yep. just pull out a verse and say, well, it says this. Okay, if I just read that verse for what it said, I could probably see what, what why you think that. But you're taking it completely out of context, and because of that, you're applying it to the wrong people group at the wrong period of time, and now all of a sudden you can, like, lose your salvation, you know, because of what you, what that verse says by itself. Well, um, and, I, think, and, and I think of Acts 238. 238, yeah, that's a great one. a great verse. Sure. Too. Hey, put that in context, right. and you're going to see who he was actually talking to. Right, and, and that happens a lot. Lot Absolutely. because of a misunderstanding of God's dispensational word. Absolutely. All right. So uh, let's start talking and see if we can get a couple of these uh, covenants um, under our belt here and and get a little bit more understanding. Uh, so we're going to be looking at the Adamic covenant first, uh, that which we've already alluded to, uh, that comes after the Adenic covenant. So so let's jump right into that, Pastor Frank. All right. So obviously the failure of the Adenic covenant, uh, God gave man a very specific uh, one, <laughs> very specific commandment not to do. Uh, Satan, in his subtlety, uh, uh, challenged God's commandment. <laughs> I wonder if we can learn from that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and obviously it led to the fall of man, uh, as we, uh, we, uh, we, we, call, we call that. That leads us into the next uh, covenant that God makes with man, and we're going to find that in Genesis three. Uh, you're going to see that uh, about thirteen through tw- through the rest of the chapter. Um, you're going to see where God now is going to deal with man, um, not as an innocent uh, being, but as a fallen being. And so, some different things are going into place now. Some uh, curses are being handed out, uh, and this sets into motion. Um, uh, really, uh, the uh, the battle, uh, if you will, uh, where the battle between God and 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 Satan had been fought up to this point on the spiritual realm. Now we're going to see the battle being fought in a physical realm mm. as well. 
And so that sets in motion all of those things. Uh, we would call this the dispensation of conscience. Mm -hmm. And the reason why we are calling it that is because now God gives Adam the ability to know the difference between good and evil. Remember what, what that tree was all about? Mm -hmm. And when he ate of that fruit, uh, that's what happened. He now knows the difference between uh, good and evil. Uh, and, and so God is now looking for Adam to govern himself. Um, uh, the fellowship has been broken. God kicks Adam and Eve out of the garden. Uh, he's no longer in fellowship with man. And the reason why he's no longer in fellowship with man is now because man has sin upon him. God cannot dwell with sin. Mm -hmm. So that kicks in motion this covenant. Um, so um, maybe, Chris, maybe if you want to, you can kind of jump in here. And, and, and I got some more things I'll say, but I'll let you kind of jump in and, and take lead from there. Well, yeah, so he started off with innocence, and now we're into this thing of, of conscience and, and what they did was they took of this tree of knowledge of good and evil. And so when you think about the word conscience, you have to break it apart in that, in the sense of what it really means is this con science with knowledge. So now all of a sudden they knew, right? Their eyes were open. Their eyes were yeah. open. And, and what's the first thing they realized? Oh, you know, my gosh, I'm naked, you know, and they went and they hid themselves. Mm -hmm. So, and then what did Adam do? He tried to sow fig leaves to cover his, his nakedness and his, his shame for what he realized that he now had done. Which was the first religious act on planet Earth. It was the first. He tried to Man do by his own works yep. to cover his own shame, his own sin. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is that's not acceptable by God's standard. And so what does God then do? He provides a covering for Adam with coats of skin. Yeah. Which means that there had to be what? Shedding of blood. A shedding of blood, a sacrifice. So now we see instituted here for the first time the necessity of this thing of blood to cover the sin. And God is the first one to have done that. And so there was an animal sacrifice. So why do you think, uh, Chris, why do you think um, blood became such an important factor in all of this? Right. <laughs> so I take you to the tree again, mm -hmm. because the, this tree was a tree of knowledge of good and evil. And, and, and the Bible talks about how they ate of the fruit. And it just says fruit, right? We, we don't know not what kind apple. of fruit it was. But, yeah, I'm definitely going to say it was not an apple. But what, what we know about Adam and Eve in this dispensation of innocence going into this is that they were flesh and bone. Mm -hmm. Which is clearly stated in Genesis 1, right. 28. Flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone. Or Genesis yep. 2. And Paul makes that distinction in 1 Corinthians 15. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yes. Definitely. And so they had this spiritual body that was... 2.23. That was perfect. Genesis 2.23, right. They had the spiritual body that was perfect, without sin, innocent. They ate from the tree of life. They had they had the good life. They had the plan A society. Everything so what was going kept well. Adam and Eve alive in that first dispensation? The, the tree of life. Okay, but how did they get life? From from God. Because he breathed. He breathed it his into him, made him a living soul. Of him. Genesis yeah. uh, two seven. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. And 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 the and and man became a living soul. Soul. Yep. So what what happened then? when Adam and Eve ate of that fruit. Right. Now they became flesh and blood. And so blood starts to course through so their So can you, can you provide us um, some biblical 
uh, and I, I know you can because I can see you looking at your notes and you're getting ready. I, I see the excitement <laughs> on your face right now. I like this one. Well, you know, I'm sorry, I, I like of, this. Yeah, one. A lot, it's so a lot cool. Of people, I think a lot of people don't really recognize this. Right. Uh, and uh, again, if we're going to let the Bible be the authority, let it let let's let it be the authority. Mm-hmm. Watch what it has to say about these things. Yeah. Right. Go ahead. Show us. What okay. Happened. So people might not often think about how the importance of this fruit and what it was that they ate, but we're talking about the importance of going from flesh and bone to flesh and blood, and that this thing of blood is so necessary as you see throughout the entirety of scripture because what we just said was that God created uh, performed the first sacrifice blood was now necessary for the for for covering of sins and of course we we ultimately think well that's what Jesus did when he came he had to shed his blood because the bible tells us without shedding of blood there is no remission of sins i think that's in hebrews 9:27 yep. we yeah. know that the life and in leviticus 17:11 is in the is in the blood so this thing of blood is so very important but this it particularly pertains to this tree that they ate from this fruit and you often think it's a it's a it's a, an apple but i'm going to tell you and i think we can show this out hash this out biblically and i won't try to take up too much time here but i'm going to tell you that i believe that that grape or that fruit was a grape okay so if you fast forward all the way to john uh, 15 and Jesus gives these seven I am statements. And in John 15, he starts talking about how he's the true vine and that we need to mm-hmm. abide in him and that we need to produce fruit, mm-hmm. right? But he says that he, he calls himself a vine and not just any vine, he calls himself a true vine. Mm-hmm. Well, why would he say that? If there's a true vine, there must be a false vine. False vine. Go back to the garden. Mm-hmm. There's where the false vine was that, that they t- partook from and, and fell. Um, you say, well, okay, but grapes, they grow on vines, not trees. But in the Bible, there is something called a, a vine tree. Mm-hmm. And I think that you can, you can see this when you look in uh, Numbers chapter 6, yep. this thing of the Nazarite vow. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. in, in Numbers 6, verses 1 through 4, it says, Then the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When either man or woman shall separate themselves to vow a vow of the Nazarite, to separate themselves unto the Lord... He shall separate himself from wine and strong drink, and shall drink no vinegar of wine or vinegar of strong drink, neither shall he drink any liquor of grapes, nor eat moist grapes or dried. All the days of his separation he shall eat nothing that is made of the vine tree, it says, mm-hmm. from the kernels even to the husk. This thing of the grape, there's there's five different fruits mentioned in, in the Bible. Mm-hmm. There's the grape, the olive, the pomegranate, the fig, and the apple, and only one of them was forbidden, mm-hmm. and it's the grape. Mm-hmm. And what would you know about that tree of the knowledge of, of good and evil? It was forbidden. Mm-hmm. So you got to start putting these things together. And, and when Jesus comes back, Chris, uh, what is he going to mete out his judgment on? Like, what is what is the Bible stomp, like in that? Stomp the fierceness of his wrath and the, and the wine press. The of wine his ra- press. Wrath. What is that? It's where you stomp the grapes and ah, get all the juice out of them. That's something. Yeah, he he constantly likens that, and and even, and I think it was in Isaiah where he talks about the blood of the grape. Mm-hmm. It's yes. the only fruit that's mentioned to have anything to do with blood. It's very mm-hmm. interesting. So again, you connect it back to this thing of the blood. Which makes sense as to why blood would start coursing through their veins, mm-hmm. you know, when they partook of that fruit and changed the components of who they were, mm-hmm. the composition. And then what comes from the grape? Oftentimes they're making wine, right? And you see it in that Nazarite vow. He's the, the, the guy who vows this vow is not to have anything to do with it, and it's to be able to distinguish right from wrong. That which clean is holy from unclean. that which is unholy, hmm. clean from unclean. You constantly right. see this being referenced to yeah. the grape and only to the grape. Right. Um, you see all of this stuff attributed to it. It is a vine tree that is a real thing, even today, yep. that these grapes grow on. Mm. And so I'm going to contend to you that if you put all of this together, you know, and we can park on this and talk more about it in more in depth, but just enough to get you thinking about that. 
that it was a grape that they ate. And what was the first thing that happened from that that grape? As you'll see when we get into Noahic and stuff like the covenant, he plants a vineyard and and, and he makes wine and gets drunk. This whole idea of drunkenness mm. coming from that and, and how that's mm. bad and, and how he realized he was naked when he got drunk. Well, what was the first thing they realized when they ate of that tree in the garden? They were naked. There's all of these these things that you can connect together to the grape and the importance of what that means, significance of, of the blood and and the, the fall and sin. It's just... I don't care who you are. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. That's and so really when you get cool. to... So just a couple things. When you get to a Leviticus 17.11, uh, yes. um, you know, God makes a very pointed statement uh, where the life of the flesh was in the spirit uh, in Genesis 2.7. Okay, yes. Now God makes a mm-hmm. pointed spirit and says that the life of the flesh is in the blood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So something changed. Yeah. That wasn't the way it was with Adam and Eve prior to the fall. That's mm-hmm. cool. Now it is what it is uh, after the fall. Again, that's why we are terming it a dispensation. Something has changed. God's now dealing with man differently. Mm-hmm. Um, you can coin that however you want. You know, I, I do want to jump p- piggyback real quick um, just because I think this is a cool story. Um you know, uh, uh, for anybody that knows me, uh, I, I'm an avid reader. I love to read. Um, it's just one of my passions in life. And one day uh, I was sitting uh, in uh, my office and uh, uh, I have a, uh, on my shelf, I have, uh, uh, you know, hundreds and hundreds of books, right? And, 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 and uh, my wife is a nurse. And so, I don't know, maybe a week or two before that, she had put some of her nursing books up on the shelf, don't ask me. To this day, I attribute it to God's leading. <laughs> but whether it was or it wasn't, I don't know. Uh, what I will say is I must have been really bored uh, because for some reason I decided to pick up my wife's nursing book and start reading it. I don't know why. Huh. I really don't. Uh, but, um, well, I do know why. Uh, so I'm, I'm reading along and, and, you know, I'm looking through the chapters and I'm trying to find something find, that I find interesting. Um, at the time, uh, Savannah uh, was uh, still uh, in the womb. <laughs> and uh, uh, so I was interested in pregnancy and things like that. I, I saw a chapter there on pregnancy. So, so I went over and I started looking at some things. And, and through that, it led me some, to looking at some other things. And th- so here's a, in a nutshell, this is out of a nursing book. I want you to understand this is where I got this information from. Science Today says this, and and then watch the biblical swing to it that's so beautiful. So I did not know this. I don't know that I ever knew this. I I don't know that I would ever even have thought of this if it wasn't for me reading this. Do you know where, uh, when a man and woman conceive a child, do you know where that child gets its blood from? Now, I would have thought because the woman's umbilical cord is attached to the baby. And she's carrying that baby for and nine months. And she's carrying that baby for nine months that the blood would have came from the woman. Mm. The fact of the matter is not one time throughout that whole pregnancy is the woman's blood ever, ever touched or associated with the baby. Mm. The baby gets its blood from the man. I find that very, very fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, number one, just from a scientific uh, uh, thing, uh, you know. Now you know why. Whenever um, you see genealogies, it's always the genealogies of a man. Sure, it's not of a woman. Yeah. Well, you can call that what you want. I call that divine putting a stamp on on approval before we even knew mm. where. 
You now you can't tell me back then scientifically they knew that the baby got the the blood from the man. I don't believe that at all. Um, we you know these are things we figured out uh, uh, in the last forty or fifty years. Now something else is interesting that I so I start cross referencing and I start looking at some other things. I learned something else about blood. So, do you know that in your human body? Think about it. Just really rationally think about it. You can live with everything in your body that is, everything, anything in your body can keep you alive and it can, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be the original. It can be artificial. Think about it. So can I live without my heart? You can get a heart. I can get an artificial heart. You know, can I live without my arm? Well, yeah, I can get an artificial, you know. Could I live if my brain was dead? Yes, my body will still live. What's the one thing in your body that you cannot live without? And it has to, it cannot be artificial. Mm. That's your blood. It's your blood. Now, what's interesting about that is, so there's your Leviticus 1711. Mm -hmm. The life is in the blood. That's where it is because without that, uh, you're dead. (laughs) Okay. Now, what's in, think about what I just said spiritually. Anyways, um, now, um, uh, what's interesting about that is, Okay, so what's the reason? Okay, so blood keeps me alive. Okay, I got you, Pastor. That sounds great. I mean, that, 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 that's fascinating. So what does that all mean? Well, here's the interesting part. Do you know that the one thing that's keeping you alive mm-hmm. is also the one thing that's killing you? Mm-hmm. It's your blood is the reason why your body is being corrupted and it's growing old and it's going to die. Yep. It's your blood causing that. And that's what happened right when they fell. They got that blood. <laughs> And what 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 did God so in the day that ye thereof ye shall surely die? And what did God pronounce? Right, a sin and death. Yeah. So so death enters into the world Mm -hmm. because of the corrupted blood that started pumping through Adam and Eve's body. Now, if you're listening right now and you never heard that before, and you're sitting there going, "Man, these guys are a bunch of whack nuts," Uh, I I pretty true. I mean, it's pretty accurate. (laughs) I, 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 I would I would I would honestly ask you, man. Really, get yourself a Bible. Let the Holy Spirit guide you. Send us an email. Get talking to with us, man. We'll help you see it. But there's no doubt about it. That's what te- that's what Scripture teaches. I say all that to say. Now do you understand why God required a blood sacrifice? Amen. Because because man, if we can say it this way, from a physical standpoint, has a blood problem. Mm-hmm. And there's only one that can fix that problem. There's nothing man can do to fix that problem. Right. Because man's blood is corrupted. Yeah. And the interesting thing is you were saying that it's the man who distributes that blood to the child. And so if you fast forward and think about Jesus, his blood came from that of the Holy Ghost, from the Father. And it had to be that blood because that was what made it pure blood and that was what needed to be shed on the cross. The virgin birth. You can't remove, we can't as Christians remove ourselves from the importance of what the blood means. And and this is where it all started from, right here in the garden Mm -hmm. at that fall, at that moment. And and even Paul says, and you were hitting 1 Corinthians 15, uh, Pastor Robert, he says flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. You know, you said it, Pastor Frank, it's corrupt. It's what's corrupting us. It's the one thing that's keeping us alive physically, but it's the one thing that's also killing us. And and it is a problem and it has to be dealt with and it has to be dealt with spiritually and it has to be dealt with by Jesus. 
Um, so this thing of the blood is just, it, it's, it's vitally important to understand. And this is when it all started, right here back in the garden at the fall. Well, it's not, so we haven't even gotten out of right. the first three chapters of right. the Bible and look at all of mm-hmm. the uh, unbelievable things that we're learning. We didn't even talk about marriage. <laughs> That's not even been on our, our radar. But man, if we did... Uh, and we were to learn about what a godly marriage was supposed to look like. Mm-hmm. Right we don't even have to leave Genesis right. chapter one and two to figure out that out. Well, you mean to tell me that we can get all the doctrines of the Bible completely hashed out in the book of Genesis? And oh, yes. wow. And in and, and its seed form, <laughs> it all starts there. Mm. It's an unbelievable thing. Uh, but anyways, mm. um, so, um, you know. When you look at this dispensation of conscience, let's start to kind of break it down a little bit um, to kind of see exactly what happened. So obviously, um, Adam's limited experience uh, at this point uh, with the knowledge of good and evil, uh, he, he, you know, he's just, this is just a, a new thing to him. Hence the reason why God gives him that conscience um, um, and, and the promises of the covenant that God now makes, if you will, uh, with uh, Adam. And this is where, you know, this is where I, I think, um, you know, the lines could get blurred if we wanted to let them. And I mean that, and the reason why I say that is because there's no I will statements in here or anything like that. And so I can see why somebody might say, well, that's not really a covenant. And, and regardless, certainly something different's going on here. And God is giving direction uh, to, the, to not only man, but to universe at this point, mm-hmm. to the universe, uh, the earth at this point. Um, so, you know, the, certain, the serpent, uh, who is uh, uh, obviously Satan, um, he's cursed. Uh, and he's reduced uh, from a beautiful creature to a hated reptile, a snake, right? Yeah. Um, the, the destruction was promised uh, on Satan uh, and his seed. Uh, by the way, probably the one of the more, uh, when we're coming to a prophetic, the first prophetic passage of the Bible, you're going to find that in Genesis 3.15. Still in play today. Uh, right, where, where God says, uh, and notice what he says here. Now watch, based on what I just said about that whole medical thing, look what he says here. And I will put enmity. Uh, enmity is a, uh, a fancy word for saying war. Yeah. Okay. Uh, between uh, thee, uh, being uh, uh, Satan, and the woman. So, so God says, because Satan, you, you uh, 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 helped move my woman to fall. I'm going to put enmity between you two. And I'm going to put enmity between your seed, Satan's seed, uh, and, and the woman's seed. By the way... Uh, when we get to Genesis 6, I just want to make a point here. Um, uh, angels can have seeds. Satan's a cherubim, right? And he can have a seed. Yep. Well, wait a minute. What, what, so does, does that mean an angel can reproduce? It can. Uh, not with each other, because all the angels in the Bible and all the cherubims in the Bible were male. Note, note that, what mm-hmm. we just said, because that's true. Mm-hmm. But when... Uh, there's females in, involved. A, a an, an angel can have sexual relations with a female, uh, and that's obvious because, or else God's lying here in Genesis three fifteen because He says that Satan's going to have a seed. Mm. Okay, uh, so uh, his seed and her seed, and it says it uh, her seed shall bruise Satan's seed's head, and Satan's seed's going to bruise uh, the woman's seed's heel. Mm-hmm. Well, wait a minute. I thought the seed came from man. 
So what is what is going on here? Interesting. Well, this is the virgin birth. Yeah, that's right. Amen. The woman's seed, this is the only woman's seed you will ever find in all the Bible, in all of humanity. This is the only person that will ever be born from a woman's seed. Who was that? Jesus. That was it. Because he, he couldn't have that corrupted blood. Right. right. Okay. He had and to shed so, his blood. So what's gonna, what it's saying here is, is that Satan's seed... Antichrist was going to uh, uh, bruise uh, 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 the woman's seed, Jesus. Listen, we could track this right now, and we can go through all this, and, and I don't, we don't have time to get into it all, but do understand this. Judas Iscariot mm. is Antichrist. I okay. just dropped a big bomb there. Right so, <laughs> so listen, man. So there's no doubt about it. Prophetically, yeah, that's it, exactly it what happened. Mm-hmm. Judas bruised. He gave uh, Jesus over, if you will, to the to the Pharisees, and and we know uh, what ultimately led that to. Well, now what is what is Jesus going to do to Satan's seed? wait till the second coming mm-hmm. when he squishes his head. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. When he literally puts his foot mm. on, on Satan's head mm. and, and, uh, um, you know, uh, puts a, puts an end to, to all that. Mm. So again, a great, great verse there, prophetic verse in Genesis three fifteen that we could do probably a whole podcast on within itself. Mm. But, uh, some other things that happens here, uh, as we see, uh, how God, um, uh, uh, uh uh, pronounces this curse on man. Uh, he pronounces this curse on woman. Uh, he corna- pronounces this curse on all of the earth. And so, uh, because uh, and understand what why this curse was pronounced. Understand the ramifications of this curse. Mm-hmm. Three letter word that we have minimized in today's churches. We have minimized in our societies that we have completely watered down in our world today. But I promise you, God hasn't watered it down. He cursed the whole universe. All of creation. Because of this three-letter word, Mm. sin. That's right. And this was the cause of all of it. Because sin has nothing to do with God. And there is, for God to be righteous... He must judge sin. Mm. If he doesn't, he is not a righteous God. Yeah, that's a, that's the two sides to his uh, his righteousness. Is there's the love, and then which we also, all love. Yeah, we're all over we, there. We cling to that. And we stick cling to on that. It. But then there's the wrath, and we don't go to that wrath side. Yeah. And we and and that's why we've minimized all these things. We have a wrathful God. He will judge sin. Because and again, because if he doesn't, then he's not righteous. And here's what's so great about God. And here's the thing that I I remember. Um, you know, some of you know my story. I, I was probably borderline atheist uh, before I was 28, uh, and I came to Christ. But I remember before I got saved, um, I, I remember my line of thinking when it came to some of these things. Um, obviously, uh, and and you know, one of my one of my biggest uh, issues was. Oh, you guys always just say, "Oh, Jesus, you know, Jesus is the only one that saves, and, and that's the only way to get to heaven, and all, you know, all, all that good stuff." Well, that's not fair. What about the what about the pygmy in Africa? You know, what about that guy over in Africa that never hears? That's not fair. I mean, what what are you, you going to do there? God gives us the answer. I, I never know, knew this because I didn't know anything about the Bible, right? Because I was so hard headed myself. Uh, but you know, God gives us the answer. God is so righteous, and God is so fair. Uh, 
And again, we don't have time to flesh this out, but if you go to Romans chapter two, what you find out is, is that um, if the pygmy in Africa never heard because they never sought Jesus, by the way, they will hear if they're seeking Jesus. Right. Romans 10, yeah. Yeah, because God will send them a preacher. That's right. Okay, but if they're not seeking and they never sought him, okay, so how will God judge that man? God's going to judge that man based on their own conscience. Yeah. <laughs> right. What happened right here where God gave man a conscience. So in other words, let's go talk to the pygmy in Africa. If you were to talk to the pygmy in Africa and we never mentioned or dropped the name Jesus at all, and we said to them, hey, what do you think about somebody stealing from you? What would they say? It's wrong. It's wrong. It's wrong. That's your wife right there? How would you feel if your neighbor came over and had sexual relations with your wife? Would you be okay with that? How would you feel if your neighbor came and murdered your daughter? Would you be okay? By their own conscience, yeah. they are going to judge themselves. Mm. That's how righteous God is. Yeah, And mm. I love that. That is That, that answers that question. Mm-hmm. So if you've got that going on with you and you're, you're keeping yourself from truth of, from the Bible, stop. Uh, there's an answer. Mm-hmm. What I found is that all those stupid questions, and I say stupid because now I'm looking back on them and I realize that those questions were really just questions to keep me from God, opposed to allowing God to teach me, to show me the truth of it all. Uh, don't allow questions, uh, the, the, the ramblings of men uh, to, get, to get in the way of God's truth. Yeah. yeah. So the thing is, that takes me to Romans chapter one. Um, you know, everybody has that conscience in them that God wrote his law of what's right and what's wrong on the heart of man. And he did that to draw man to him because otherwise, because of our sin, we would never seek him out. Bible says, you know, there's none that seeketh. And that's because of our uh, our sin nature. But that's what he wrote on, on our hearts to, to seek him. So when we do, uh, he will reveal himself to us. And, and, and it makes me think of Romans chapter 1. Because and this is where the excuse there's no excuse it says in Romans chapter one for that pygmy in Africa or everybody else who has the law of God written on their hearts they know God exists they know it and that's the thing that people often feel like well we have to prove God exists to the people who don't believe creation testifies it (laughs) but we don't have to prove God exists because everybody knows God exists they have it written on their hearts no you have to prove God doesn't exist (laughs) yeah that's the burden's really on them. But because of that conscience, that's how man, all of mankind can be held without excuses, God says in Romans chapter 1, because he says in verse 19, he says, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. That's how it's manifest in them, because they have a conscience, for God hath showed it unto them, he says. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made. Yes, that's us. Even his, and listen, it says, eternal power and Godhead, his trinity, his, his divinity, so that they are without excuse excuse. There is no excuse. And that's the answer to that pygmy in Africa. If they, Because of the law of conscience that God wrote on their hearts to seek him, they know he exists. God put some things in man that are inherent within us all the way back then. It's the, the necessity to worship. We're created that way, to worship. And that's so we can give him glory. So we all are seeking at, to worship something. Unfortunately, in today's day and age, it's self or you know, or some some other thing that's not God, but we have that within us to, that we're, we're made that way for a reason, and it's to seek Him out and to worship Him. And so, all of mankind, because of God's general revelation alone, and all of creation testifies of who He is, His Godhead, His eternal power. Everything is testified throughout all of creation. They're held without excuse because of that conscience. Then you go, of course, to Romans chapter two, where He actually starts to talk about that thing of the conscience. So. Mm. 
Wow. Amen. Guys, as we are sitting here talking about this, I pulled up an article here um, back from 2018. And uh, I think you guys are familiar with it. And maybe our listeners are too. Maybe they heard this. Maybe they didn't. If you didn't, you need to. Uh, We're talking about the the prophecies in the Old Testament, the importance of the blood, uh, how that's being traced through and how it applies today. I mean, Mm -hmm. oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. Okay. And back in 2018, a very well-known uh, pastor yeah. of North Point Community Church, Andy Stanley, mm-hmm. says that we, as Christians, mm-hmm. need to unhitch the Old Testament from our faith and our evangelism. Mm-hmm. Uh, the article says that uh, as the pastor of North Point Community Church in Georgia, he said that Christians need to unhitch the Old Testament from their understanding of the faith. Now, I don't know about you, Mm. Uh, those that are listening, but even in these conversations, my understanding of the faith is only increasing, and it's only making me love the Lord more, okay? Uh, But according to him, we need to unhitch the Old Testament, uh, all of these these things about the blood that we're talking about, all these prophecies from our understanding of the faith. By this, the article continues, he means to instruct people to ignore the Old Testament and focus solely on the resurrection of Jesus Christ, especially in evangelism. And it says this statement was part of a sermon series that he did uh, to encourage those who have left the church to reconsider Christianity. Uh, And here's what he says. uh, I'm quoting, Jesus' new covenant, his covenant with the nations, his covenant with you, his covenant with us, can stand on its own two nail-scarred resurrection feet. It does not need propping up by the Jewish scriptures. The Bible does not create Christianity, he continues. The resurrection of Jesus created and launched Christianity. Your whole house of Old Testament cards can come tumbling down. The question is, did Jesus rise from the dead? And the eyewitnesses said he did. Guys, that Mm -hmm. is, that makes me mad. That's blasphemy. It is. Wasn't he the same one that also said that the blood's no longer relevant to, I mean, that's another. Yes. Well, I guess I guess we just need to throw First Corinthians ten and Romans fifteen four out the door. We should, because yeah. Paul is telling us that we that we need to look back to those things. Don't, no, don't, so, don't don't. I guess not. So God did not, you know, that, that stuff we can ignore what God said in the New Testament. So He says, <laughs> you quoted there that He said something about that we don't need to look to the Jewish script. What did it say? That the the resurrection of Jesus does not need to be propped up, as He says, by the Jewish scriptures. Well, then I guess you throw the whole entire Bible out because it was written by Jews. Mm. <laughs> Just none of it really matters at this point. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't know why we're here doing this podcast. Yeah, what, what are we doing? Most Let's go of the stuff we talk about is is irrelevant, I guess, uh, to winning people to Christ, it, it, to understanding the scriptures. I mean, I, I just I'm at a loss well, for you words. Know, here and here's a sad thing, guys. And and listen, uh, I'm sure Andy Stanley is a nice guy. Sure. You know, I'm I'm sure maybe so. You know, I'm sure his. His heart's in the right place. <laughs> he, he wants, to, you know. I, I mean, we could we could say all those things, but the fact of the matter is, what is our authority? Mm. Yeah, you know, uh, is Andy Stanley our authority, or is the Bible our authority? Mm-hmm. By the way, is Robert Engel our authority? Is mm-hmm. Chris Wing our authority? Is Frank mm-hmm. Savaggio our authority? No, mm-hmm. the Bible's the authority. What mm-hmm. at the end of the day, what does the Bible say? Mm-hmm. I don't care what you were taught. I don't care what you think. I don't care what you want to propagate as much as you want to believe that at the end of the day if it's against god and his word it's wrong yeah and you got to get to a place where you're willing to allow god's word to do what it needs to do in all of us because it is a mirror 
And when you say stuff like that, I mean, that's, that is, there, there is clear scriptures in the Bible mm-hmm. that clearly negate what he said. And because of that, that tells me that this is a pastor who does not understand his Bible. No. You know, and I'm not, I'm not picking on him, but any pastor who would make that statement does not, I don't care how much, what he teaches you, how, how relevant he is, how culturally uh, with it he is, you know, I, I don't care. He doesn't understand his Bible to make such an absurd statement. Well, I'll even take it a step further. And this isn't a knock on, on Andy Stanley as a person. Cause I don't, I don't hate the man. I hate the, the things that he's teaching if they're false sure. doctrine and it's the doctrine, you know, he's leading people astray. Mm-hmm. He knows enough to lead people astray because some of the things that he's quoting in there sound, you know, somewhat right in part in parcel, oh, but that's not by the whole. And doesn't the doesn't it say good. in Romans well, is it sixteen where it says the Old Testament is there for our learning? Romans that's 15, there at fifteen. Uh, for our, an example to us, for our learning. I guess we just have to get rid of that too. I mean, well, what you got to be careful what you're saying. I mean, I would take it to the next degree and say that guys like Andy Stanley are not called pastors of God because they're leading astray. And what does God say about the pastors, quote unquote, that lead His people astray? He pronounces woe upon them in, in Jeremiah. They've, they've led the flock astray, you know? I mean, that's what's going on. These guys got a large following, a very large following sure. of people who are taking what they say to heart, and, and it's leading people straight to hell in a lot All of right. cases. Well, yeah, I mean, so obviously that's... Uh, that's uh, yeah. That's scary. That's so, really okay, scary. Okay, so what, 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 we got a couple minutes left here. Let's, let's just kind of wrap this covenant up. Um, what, what was the failure here? Um, so we see what the pronounced curse was. We see that now God, uh, man was supposed to govern themselves. Yeah. What we, what we, if we were to move forward in our uh, uh, readings of Genesis, we're going to find out in chapter number four uh, what happens. Uh, you see Cain and Abel. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cain brings the wrong sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Abel brings the right sacrifice. Cain, br- Cain brought the first fruits of of the fruit. His um, works. His works. Yeah. And where Abel brought the first fruits of the flock. Um, again, signifying the uh, sacrifice of an animal, mm. the shedding of blood. Amen. Here comes. Here comes man's ability to govern self. Man murders man. Uh, So then hate enters into it. People start taking vengeance on people to the point where um, Cain says, my sin is beyond what I can do. God has put a mark on Cain so that vengeance, people can't come down on him. Uh, So you start seeing that man obviously can't govern himself. Uh, By the time you get to Genesis chapter six, Mm -hmm. uh, you see that the whole world has become uh, 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 within every every imagination Mm -hmm. uh, and thoughts of his heart was evil continually. By the way, can I just say something? Mm, That's a big one. I want to say this. Isn't it interesting that now, if, if if you're listening and you, if you, you you've listened to our Romans series when we were we, we kind of did a uh, overview of Romans at uh, uh, at our church, One Baptist Church, on Sunday mornings. Uh, gosh, I guess it's about about a year ago now. We were in there, uh, but one of the things that uh, we were trying to develop, um, and we spent weeks talking about, is Romans talks about three different areas of the Bible, and those three different areas uh, are your heart, your mind and your um, uh, uh, flesh, okay? And then there's spiritual applications to all that. The flesh is, uh, you know, your members. Um, your, your, your mind uh, would be your thoughts and things of that matter. Well, can I help you with something with your heart? What, remember what God got or what, what man got when he ate the fruit? Mm. And what started pumping through his brain? Mm. What started pumping 
through mm. his veins, that heart. through through what the heart. Mm-hmm. Where does the conscience come from? See, we're, we would think, oh, it comes from the mind. Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh. No, 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 no. Your conscience is who you are, and your heart is who you are. It's your soul. Mm. I would love to take the time to be able to go through all the verses to back that up. Mm. But look what happens here in Genesis 6, 5. Mm-hmm. Instead, every imaginations of the thoughts of his heart. heart. Notice what, it's interesting. what happened? They defiled their conscience. Their conscience was seared. Their conscience was only looking to do evil. And so what happens? It repents the Lord that he had made man. The failed covenant now uh, uh, is 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 uh, put into motion. God destroys the earth with a flood, kills every man, uh, woman, child, animal on planet earth, except for eight. Mm-hmm. And one of those eight was a man who was perfect in his generations. generations. Mm-hmm. What is that all about? <laughs> Stay tuned next time. Amen. Absolutely. So I know we planned on talking about uh, two of those, but uh, we, we are going to leave it off here. Um, we have a great conversation about that Adamic covenant and uh, you got a little sneak peek into our next episode of where we're going to be heading. So we do hope you'll make that journey with us. And until then, do take care. Thank you for listening to The Revealing, a podcast ministry of One Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Florida. Senior Pastor Frank Silvaggio, Associate Pastor Robert Engel. For more information about One Baptist Jacks, please go to our website, onebaptistjacks.world, or email us, info at onebaptistjacks.world.